But before everybody goes back to their seats and takes a seat at every campus, uh, I just want to say something really quick. You know, this whole Be Wild series that we're in is all about being childlike, being kid-like. Um, and one thing I love about kids is that they can meet a person and four and a half seconds later, that person is their best friend. You know what I mean? They play in a sandbox together for no minutes and that's the best friend they've ever had. Um, and I know we didn't just sing this at every campus, but we sang it at Gauntlet and we've sung it at Fuse a lot that this is a move. And a move of God happens when a group of people decide to move in the same direction together. So let me tell you, Fuse, we say it's a family, but a family happens when you look at each other eye to eye, when you acknowledge, not just through a screen, that there's another human being there. So we're gonna sit down now, but before we do, as you make your way back to your seats, just like a bunch of kids, will you look at some people in the eye as you sit down, give a few high fives, give some hugs, tell your Fuse group leader you love them, make a friend. Hey, I want some love. Can I get can I get a five? Excuse me. Can I get can I get a five, please? Oh, thank you. It's just fine. Thank you, band. Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. Thank you, Natalia. You're the best. Well, hey, before we move on, I just need to know who is stoked that school is back. No booze, only woo-hoos, because the kingdom just got the opportunity to spread further because y'all are back in schools. That's all I'm saying. Thank you for the amen. All right, well, welcome to Fuse, every campus, every location. Tonight is going to be a whole lot of fun, but before we do anything else, if you brought a Bible and or a journal, can you do me a favor at every campus and just lift it up over your head like this? Come on. Hey, here in Anderson, well done, everybody at every other campus. The reason I wanted to, um, to get you to do that is because I wanted everyone to see, this is what we're going to be about here at Fuse. We're going to show up with a Bible and a journal and a pen ready to write down not only what the preacher says, because I can only preach so much, but the Spirit of God can preach hundreds of different messages while I'm preaching one, and I just don't want you to forget about it. And there's something about putting your eyes on like the actual printed text of the Bible that just does something in your soul. Sometimes, this is weird, sometimes I just pick the Bible up and I open it and I smell it. I don't know why, but it's called the bread, right? And so let's get this bread, okay? And I just like to take a big whiff sometimes. All right, we're going to move on. I'm a kid, okay? We're talking about coming to God like a kid. So welcome to this Be Wild series. Welcome back, I should say, because Caleb started us off amazing last week about what it means to pray like a child. I hope you've been praying all week um, in just audacious and crazy ways. I hope you've been ow, just knocking down the, the door um, of heaven with your requests. But we're going to continue in that um, vein tonight. So since so many of you have your journals, why don't you get your pen ready? We're going to jump straight into Scripture. I have quite a few verses tonight. But again, 
the word is good. So we're going to read the word tonight. And I'm actually going to read this from the actual Bible and not from the screen because I just want to. All right, Matthew 18, 1 through 4. Either open your Bibles or write it down or look on the screens. There's so many options. But here is where this whole series came from in Matthew 18, starting in verse 1 through verse 4. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Hey, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Like, I know you are, but if you had to, you know, pick one other which one would it be? I can't believe they're asking Jesus this. And so calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Here's the whole point of this whole series, okay? So write this down. We don't ever want you to outgrow coming to God like a child. Please, please. I know some of you are grown men now. You're starting to get a little peach fuzz mustache and like you're grown. But there is something about the kingdom of God that is drawn to people who are childlike. Don't ever outgrow coming to God like a child. And think about kids for a second. Kids are crazy. Kids are wild. You know what kids are? Kids are loud. I was trying to have a nice lunch with my friend yesterday, and there was probably like a two- or three-year-old in there. She just found a high-pitched sound she liked, would not stop doing it for the entire hour that we were in there. I mean, just like every 14 seconds. Ah! For no reason. But she giggled every time right after she did it. But I love kids don't care if it brings them joy. They're just going to keep doing it again and again because they haven't learned yet to be afraid of the people around them. They don't live in fear of man yet. They're childlike. So there's a childlikeness, things about you that you were never meant to grow up out of. And so like I said, Caleb last week preached about how in our prayer, we are never meant to outgrow what it means coming to God like a child. When we pray, how many of you have a little brother or sister, okay? How many of you know that so much of their requests to your mom or dad are this, dad, 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 what? Like that's over, and maybe some of y'all still do that, maybe you need to outgrow that just a little bit, but there should be an audaciousness to our prayers that we aren't gonna stop dad, 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 until he turns around and is ready to answer our request. But tonight, the thing I want to talk about is how we are never supposed to outgrow what it means to dream like a child, okay? To dream like a kid. So everybody say, repeat this after me. I have a beautiful imagination. We're going to do it one more time. I have a beautiful imagination, okay? You know, from the time that you are able to understand what sentences are, you get asked one question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Right? Like from the time in kindergarten, I had to write like a little paragraph. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I said a mermaid. 
because I loved the Little Mermaid and I loved how she sang and I was and she ended up with a pretty cute dude and so I was like I'm gonna be a mermaid. I said either that or a professional athlete. Which, anyways, moving on. Um, so from the time you're a kid, you're asked to engage your imagination of what you could be when you grow up. And most of us have like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a mermaid. I want to be whatever. But, you know, that's when you're a kid, that's, your imagination doesn't stop with that question. I remember um, I still have a very vivid imagination. Sometimes it's hard for me to live in actual reality because I'm always in, like, a musical or something. Um, but specifically when I was a kid, I would just walk around the woods beside our house. If you don't know what woods are, um, it's a bunch of trees clumped together, and you should probably go play in them, all right? Um, it's called the outdoors. Get some, get some. All right, so... I used to walk around the woods and pretend I was Pocahontas because that was fun. Um, but even my friends, all of my friends have multiple children now. It's something. Uh, we try to go to dinner. It's something. But I know like Brad Cooper, okay, he's one of our lead pastors. His little girl Campbell, I go up to her and I'm like, hey, Campbell, how are you? And she just goes, roar. I said, Okay. She goes, I'm a dinosaur. I'm not Campbell. And I was like, my mistake. But kids always live in this imaginative world, in this dreaming state, in what could be. And I believe there's something about how we were made to be that wasn't supposed to outgrow that. I want to tell you this. You are actually in your prime dreaming years. Middle school and high school, the possibilities in front of you are endless. Which college you want to go to, what state you're going to end up in, what job you want, what, what kind of marriage you want to have one day, what kind of career you're going to have. Do I want to go into the military? Do I, want to, do I want to go straight into the workforce? This is the time to dream and engage. But I want you to see that all this imagination and all this dreaming up and the reason people ask you from the time that you know how to put sentences together, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because there's something about our imagination that was written into us by the hand of God. How do I know this? Because I get it from Scripture. Genesis 1.1. This is where the Bible starts, okay? Page one, and it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to say he made the sun and he separated the waters and he put the land, he made some fish and then some drafts and the things that fly and the things that swim and all that. And then it gets to verse 26 and it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, which just means let them um, have stewardship over, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. I want everybody to look up here at me really fast. You were made in the image of a creative, innovative, uh, galaxy-creating, ocean-expanding, the man, the God who created blue whales. Blue whales, by the way, have hearts the size of VW bugs. 
okay? Their arteries are so big you can swim down them, all right? God just thought that up. The God who created gravity and photosynthesis, which hopefully you've learned about and maybe now forgotten. The God who created aardvarks, whatever those are, and it's hard to spell. But this, you go travel the world, and it is amazing what God just thought up out of nothing and then, bam, created it in the world, but then he said, we're going to make man and woman in our image, which means that you have that same creative DNA flowing through your veins. Heaven-like, God-like, creative, imaginative, innovative DNA to take things that did not exist and imagine them and create them here on the earth. You have the God-likeness of a creative imagination. He dreamed up, created, and purposed this world, and you with it, so dream with him. Now, I know dreaming has kind of like a unicorn like connotation, like, I love to dream, and I just spend all day dreaming, and I'm in the clouds, and some, especially like if you're like a football player in here, you're like, yeah, I have a dream, it's for a state championship, and like that's how, far, which is a great dream, you know, go for it. Bring honor to the state of South Carolina, but... There's something about it that we have to, okay, I do want to dream, but I've got to bring it here to reality to now. There comes a time when a dream has to become an actual destination. I get it. I have creative DNA flowing in me and imagination. How does it become less of an ideal situation and a cloudy concept in your head and more of a real-life, tangible, touchable reality? Okay, I have some scripture for that, too. I'm going to hit these quickly, so make sure you write them down and you can read them later, okay? How do we take this dream, the things that we think of in our head, and I want to drive a red Hummer one day or the money you want to make or whatever, and it become an actual reality, all right? First scripture, Psalm 139.16 says this. This is King David talking about talking to the Lord. Your eyes, Lord, saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Okay, got that scripture? We're going to move to the next, Jeremiah 29, 11, that your grandma has on a coffee mug at her house. For I know, this is the Lord speaking, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That is good news at Fuse tonight. Third scripture, Ephesians 2.10. For we, you and I, young woman, young man, old woman, old man, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I read all of those scriptures to make this point. I want you to write this down and I want you to think this um, all week long. God has a plan for me and he wants me to know it. That's what all of those scriptures mean. God has a plan for me and he wants me to know it. God has a plan for me, and he wants me to know it. God did more than dream up what your life could be. He planned for it. He wrote it down. Before time was marked, the holy hand of God, whatever kind of pen he uses, and whatever kind of heaven's book it is, sat down and thought about what each and every one of your days could look like and marked it down. Before the tick of a time clock existed in the expanse of humanity, God planned and prepared a purpose for you. God had a dream and a, and a desire for your life. 
and he planned for it, and he purposed it, and he actually, I hope you hear this, because I know, like, you're 11, and it's like, okay, I know I'll have a great dream for my life one day, but why does it matter right now? Because I believe you can do things right now in the sixth grade that actually play into the plan that God marked down before the beginning of time. The starting point for your dream and your purpose began even before time, but as soon as you were born, your purpose began. And the expanse of eternity, you can live it out now. How cool is that? That God desires more than you do to reveal the plans of heaven for your life. You are not an accident and your future will not happen by accident. There's a very specific plan for the dreams in your heart. But that's all well and good too. Now, how do I get access to that? Yeah, God has a plan for me and he wants me to know it. How do I know it? Like, isn't that the big question? I get it. He has a plan, but how do I actually know it? I have some more scripture. Who's surprised? Love the Bible. It answers a lot of questions. Amen. Okay, Acts 2, 17 through 18. This is amazing. I can't wait to talk about this. It's going to freak some of you out in the best way. Acts 2, 17 through 18. And in the last days, which by the way are these days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say all. Come on, everybody say all. On all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. Now, prophecy and prophesying may have a little bit of a weird connotation, or maybe you have no context at all. So let me just demystify prophecy for a second. Might be a little foreign word for you, but let me explain. Simply, prophesying means getting God's viewpoint on something, okay? Prophesying means getting God's viewpoint or God's perspective on something. I looked it up like the actual definition, and it says to declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. And the Bible is very clear that in the last days, which we are living in, young men, you can have visions. Old men, you can dream dreams. Men and women together, we can prophesy, get God's viewpoint and his perspective on life. More than the ability to dream, we have, given, we have been given the ability to see what the world could be like. You know that you can look at your neighborhood and community and see a different future for it? No, this is just how it's always been. This is how it's gonna be. Not the God I serve. He looks at a sea that is never supposed to split in half and goes, that thing says, split. He looks at a baby that's been abandoned in a river and raises him to leadership to set his people free in Egypt. He looks at you, someone who may come from a broken family background and says, I can use you to leave a different family legacy. You can look at your school, no, school's just how it is. People fight all the time, people hate each other, people are racist, that's just how it's gonna be. No, it's not. 
come on, I need your young minds to ask God to give you a vision and a prophetic dream of what could be in the state of South Carolina and Anderson, Columbia, Rock Hill, Charleston, Myrtle Beach, all across the state. And things, the reason God gives us a vision is in order so we can go and make that vision take place. So here's what I mean. Yes, dream, but more than dream, take that dream to God and exchange it for a God-sized vision. And listen, I know whenever you go to the store, right, you go to exchange something. And they're always like, you can exchange it, but only for something of equal or lesser value. I hate that. You can exchange it for something for equal or lesser value. And maybe you have a dream in your heart, like I want to make a lot of money one day. I'm trying to marry like a model. I'm trying to drive a nice car. None of those desires are wrong, but a dream not submitted to the Lord, I promise you, will never fulfill you. So you bring that dream to God and exchange it for a God-sized vision. In the economy of God, you always get to exchange for something of greater value. His economy's different. You know what my dream was when I was in high school? I was going to be a marine biologist. Nothing wrong with that dream. But then God gave me a different dream one day. Actually, I'm going to share that later because I don't want to cry yet. All right? But you got to take your earthly dream and come to God and exchange it for a God-sized vision that you have the ability to hear from God, to get a vision from heaven of the answer to Jesus' prayer when he said, on earth like it is in heaven. You get to be the answer to that prayer. You get to partner with Jesus and what he prayed 2,000 years ago, right here, right now, 2019 in the state of South Carolina. You and me. This is amazing. This is heaven-like proportions. But the question still maybe remains, how exactly does that happen? And very simply, I want to go back to Jeremiah 2019. No. Jeremiah 29 again, and I want to read the verse, but then the two verses after it. Because we all stop at 29 and 11 like, yes, God knows the plans he has for me and prosper not to harm me. That's not a song, but I just made it one. But the verses after it, I believe, are the answer to how those plans and dreams and visions actually come into reality. So let's look at Jeremiah 29 again. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, Fuse. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. Come and pray to me. And I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Here's my final encouragement to you tonight, Fuse. Dream big, but follow close. Dream big. Ask God, like, just what is the craziest thing that you can think of for your life to mean to this earth? Dream big, but then follow close to Jesus. That's what these verses are saying. So many people get this God-sized vision for their life, but then try to follow their own way to get there, and they never make it. God loves you too much for your dream to become God. No, the dream is meant to draw you closer to God so you get a bigger vision of actually who he is. Everything has always only ever been about relationship, you and him, him and you. And so even the prophetic vision he wants to give you is about you and him, of you getting a bigger picture of what you and him could do together. So dream big, but follow close. 
Many people ask me, um, like, how'd you get, like, where you are? And I'm like, what do you mean, 31 single? No, I'm just playing. Um, how do I get into ministry? Like, how did I get to preaching? Like, how did, and the, the answer is simple. I have no idea. I have no clue how I got here on August 2019, 21st, August 21st, 2019. And so I have no idea how this exact moment happened. All I know is I fell in love with Jesus Christ. And every day I've tried my best to say yes to him. And you know how like sometimes if you have a license or whatever, you forget how you got from your house to school. You like blacked out. That's kind of how I feel like it's been with me and Jesus because I got so intoxicated with this relationship with him that I just focused on staying right at his feet and I walked straight into my purpose. That's exactly what can happen for you. So here's what I wanna do now. I wanna invite you. Um, I, I've preached shorter tonight because I wanted to leave time for us to actually act out this Acts 2 thing. Because I believe that Acts 2 is not just a verse, but it's a promise that in the last days, our young men could have visions and our old men could dream dreams and our daughters could prophesy. That you, 11-year-old, could get a dream for your life, a vision of what it could be. So if you have your phone or um, a journal, why don't you go ahead and get that out? If you didn't bring a journal, open it up to the notes section. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask God over this next little bit of time to give you a vision for your life. And listen, as, as we head into this quiet time, go ahead and get the silly stuff out first. I want millions of dollars. I want to play in the NBA even though I'm four foot seven. Like, get the silly things out. But then pause long enough for God to speak to you. Because I believe there's some young women in this room. Tonight at the age of 13, God is going to drop a vision of heaven into your mind of a business that you're supposed to start as an entrepreneur that's going to completely change your city. There's some young men in the room. I don't care if you're 12 years old. God is going to drop a vision in your head of the kind of man you're gonna be, the kind of family you're gonna lead, the kind of marriage you're gonna have, and the kind of legacy you're going to leave behind. There's some young ladies in the room that you've been living under a wrong identity because of some things that have happened to you. And tonight, God is going to drop the ideas of heaven and his viewpoint into your head, and you are never going to live the same because of it. This is the reality. God's kingdom belongs to God's kids, you and me. We get access to it tonight. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna spend some moments in silence and I'm gonna encourage you, don't talk to your friend, don't text, don't play some weird game on your phone. You have access to the voice of God that spoke and light burst out into the universe. That same voice wants to speak to you tonight. Let's lean into it. Can we do that together, Fuse family, over these next few minutes? Cool. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to enter into that time together. Father, I believe in the God-sized vision that you have for this generation. I believe the promise of Acts 2, that in the last days that you would pour out 
on your sons and daughters the ability to prophesy, to get God's viewpoint and God's perspective on what they could do in this world. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make students aware of your voice right now, that you would drown out the voice of the enemy, that um, there would be no mistaking to them that this is the night that they heard from God. And for the rest of their lives, I pray, Father, that you would keep that dream with open hands, that you would keep their hands open with that dream place surrendered to you because I know that surrender is also greater than dreaming. And as we follow you, you will develop and form and shape the dream to more than we could ask or imagine. I believe in this generation, and I know it's only a glimpse, a piece, a breath of the belief and the love that you have for them. Would you pour it out tonight, King Jesus? We give this time to you. We give our focus and attention to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.